Thank you. want to welcome those of you that are joining us online as well. So glad that you are. Uh, real quick before we get started, just by way of a reminder, want to let those of you that are here know that we're going to have our prayer meeting on Tuesday night coming up, 7 p.m. here in the sanctuary. Really hope that you're able to come and join with us. Uh, this is our first service. We have two on Sunday mornings, as I'm sure you know. Uh, for those of you online, we uh, do the prophecy update first service, and then second service is actually the sermon, which is a verse by verse study through the Word of God. And we are in James. Wow. And today, Lord willing, are going to look at how it is that we can patiently persevere in the face of suffering, despite it intensifying due to having long overstayed our welcome in this world, not our home. <laughs> so that'll be at 11.15 a.m. Hawaii time. And for those of you that are joining us by way of YouTube or Facebook, we would encourage you at this time to go directly to the website, jdfarag.org. There you will find the uncensored, uninterrupted entirety of today's update. And with that, let's get started. For today's update, I want to talk with you about what Scripture really says concerning one being awake as it relates to Bible prophecy. You know what's sad? Like with everything else, Satan has sought to, and in large measure, succeeded at the counterfeiting and confusing of this particular biblical truth, namely that of being awake, or as the world has dubbed it, being woke which is yet another marring, even perverting of the truth. I know that's strong, but it's a needed strength. And actually, if you wouldn't mind, I, I would like to pray, if you would join with me. This particular update is one that the enemy will do everything he can to disrupt, distract. Uh, this is very important and very serious. So let's pray, if you would please join with me. Father in heaven, I humble myself before you and ask of you to be present here by way of the Holy Spirit. Lord, that the Holy Spirit would be our teacher and our guide as we navigate our way through this very touchy topic. Lord, you have to get our attention. And then once you do, you need to keep our attention and not allow the enemy in any way to distract our attention so our minds wander, because certainly he will do everything and stop at nothing to distract us from that which you have for us today. So 
Jesus, you take over and guide my words. May they be seasoned with grace, my speech with clarity, my heart with humility. In Jesus' name, Amen and Amen. So I want to begin with the Merriam-Webster definition of woke. Have you heard this word? Well, it's not very convincing. Should we just close in prayer? Or? Woke. Well, quote, it is chiefly U.S. slang, meaning aware of and actively attentive to important facts and issues, especially issues of racial and social justice. In their definition, they quote a Barbara Lee, who of this says, quote, we have a moral obligation to stay woke, take a stand, and be active, challenging injustices and racism in our communities, and fighting hatred and discrimination wherever it rises. Well, we have a problem. The problem is that this and any derivative of being woke, as defined by the world, is the antithesis of how it's defined in God's Word. What God's Word says about it in its definition of it. And as we're about to see, God's Word does exhort us to be awake. But first and foremost, for salvation in the Lord and the return of the Lord. It's then, and only then, that the injustices and wrongs of which there are many in this fallen world, keyword fallen world, it's then and only then that the injustices and wrongs are made right, which is why Jesus said there is no reason for us to fight. Jesus said that? Yeah. John's Gospel, chapter 18, verse 36. Listen to this. Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. Oh. Well, wait a minute. <laughs> if you're anything like me, and I suspect that you are, you've noticed an increase of Christian ministries and woke churches promoting this and even preaching this. Thankfully, those with spiritual discernment, to their credit, 
are not deceived by this, because they know the true gospel in the Word of God. And it's for this reason that the Apostle Paul, with what I like to call a sanctified strength, would address this very matter in his letter to the churches in Galatia, chapter 1, Galatians, starting in verse 6. He says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ, and are turning to a different gospel, a social justice gospel, a Republican gospel, a Fox News gospel, a Newsmax gospel, an American gospel, a patriot gospel. It's not the gospel. You're turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion, and are trying to, strong word, pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we, and Paul is speaking of himself, if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. It's a false gospel. Now we have a question before us, and the question is, what is the gospel? <laughs> so glad you asked. For the answer to that question, we need look no further than to 1 Thessalonians, the fourth chapter. Uh, by the way, when you think gospel, you probably default to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the first four verses. That's kind of the go-to passage where Paul says, this is the gospel. But the reason I'm choosing and using 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 is because this is the first epistle that the Apostle Paul ever wrote by the Holy Spirit. And it was to the church in Thessalonica, which he only spent maybe some believe at the very most, maybe three months before he was in effect ran out of town. But he started this church, and he, for the first time, mentions the gospel. Not to the Corinthians, to the Thessalonians. And he says that the good news is the gospel, which means good news, your debt has been paid, you're free to go. That's what the word gospel means, good news. 
The first time he mentions the gospel is to the Thessalonians in his first epistle. And it's that Jesus came the first time to die for us, pay in full for us our sins, and is coming soon at the rapture. Then after the seven year tribulation, He's coming at the second coming. I like how one said it. At the rapture, Jesus comes for us. At the second coming, Jesus comes with us, ten thousands by His side. So the first letter that Paul writes is to the Thessalonians, and it's the first mention of the gospel and it's in the context of the rapture. Let me say that again. The first mention of the good news of Jesus Christ is written to a church, and it's in the context of the rapture of the church. And you know it well, 1 Thessalonians 4, at least I, I hope you do. If not, if you're new, to this, praise the Lord. <laughs> he says in verse 14, 1 Thessalonians 4, here's the gospel. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in Him, speaking of death. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep, speaking again of death. And here's why, verse 16, for the Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. That's very important. We'll get into it. Two trumpets in Scripture, the trumpet of angels, the trumpet of God. First trumpet, last trumpet. Trumpet of angels, first trumpet for Israel, last trumpet, trumpet of God for the church. Make that distinction, please. The trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. This is the bodily resurrection. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up. Harpazo in the Greek, rapturos in the Latin. That's where we get our transliterated word rapture. We will be raptured, caught up, together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. This is not the second coming. Jesus does not come to the earth. He comes to take us out of the earth, and we meet Him in the air. And so whew, we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Okay, here's where I'm going with this. 
the Bible is not silent when it comes to being awake, nor is it silent as to why we're to be awake. Here are just two such passages about being awake, and the common denominator with both is that of salvation and the rapture of the church. Let me draw your attention first to Romans chapter 13, beginning in verse 11, the Apostle Paul. Do this, knowing the time, understanding the times, like the men of Issachar, who understood the times they were living in and knew what to do. Understanding the times, do this, that it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. For now, salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. The night is almost gone, and the day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness, and put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. In other words, you're asleep spiritually, you need to wake up, because it's day now. The night is almost over. It's daytime. It's high time to wake up. Wake up from your spiritual slumber. First Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Hang on to that. While people are saying, verse 3, peace and security, some of your translations render it safety. It's the same Greek word, asphalia, translated security or safety. While people are saying peace and security, destruction, will come on them suddenly, as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. 
For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with Him. And then he says it again, verse 11, therefore encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. Okay. Again, the reason I wanted to go to 1 Thessalonians and the reason I sense that the Lord would have me go in this direction is because of the paramount importance of this prophetic truth. Please hear me out, and don't let the enemy distract you. I don't want you to miss this. Think this through with me. This is his first letter. And he's teaching these new believers within the span of, let's just call it three months. He's teaching them the, uh, the rapture and Bible prophecy. Is it, these are new believers. And, they, and he's teaching them about the rapture. He's teaching them Bible prophecy. And then he's saying to them in the context of the rapture and Bible prophecy, let's be awake because we're children of the day, not the night. Well, it seems that this is so important that Bible prophecy would rise to the level of being taught to and understood by new believers. In verses 1 through 3, he even starts by telling them that he actually doesn't even need to really write to them about this, because they already know this. What do they know? They know very well that the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Not for them though. He then tells them that it will come suddenly. And verse 3, of course, a verse that we talk often about in our prophecy updates, while they are saying peace and security, he says, sudden destruction will come upon them. It is so important to delineate between them and us. We, we, not they, we who are alive and remain. And the reason he says this in this way is because they knew of his coming. And as such, they were awake and watching. That's why it is that he didn't really even need to write to them about this, because when Jesus comes, it would not be for them as a thief in the night. Why? Because they were expecting it. They were awake, and they were watching, and they were ready. 
He says this in verses 4 through 8, when he talks about being awake, not asleep. So we're not surprised when He returns, doesn't catch us off guard. Now here's the thing. There are those who are not awake and alert in the spiritual sense, which is why they're unaware of the nearness of the Lord's return. Now I know this might come off as a firm grasp of the obvious, but when you're sleeping, you're not aware of what's going on, right? Especially for those of you who get really deep sleep. We want you to know that we hate you, by the way, those of us, in Jesus' name of course. But those of you who just get a really good night's sleep, you know, the, the deep sleep where the, the REM, you know, the rapid eye movement, and you're dreaming and you wake up and it's like, you, you first wake up and say, oh, wait, wait, what, what, what day is it? Where, where am I? What? You know, again, we hate you, but we love you in Jesus' name. That, that's, when you're sleeping, you have no idea what's going on. Oh, while you're sleeping, a thief could break in and steal whatever he wants while you're sleeping, as a thief in the night. Paul's point is simply this. Uh, a thief in the night will not call you and say, hey, um, I'm thinking about coming in and stealing from you at 2 a.m. Would that be a good time for you? Oh yeah, sure. I'll be awake. I'll be expecting you. Well, if you're sleeping, no, you won't. So are you making the spiritual connection here? If you're sleeping, you're unaware, and you'll be caught off guard. Enter verses 9 through 11, which to me, is one of the most compelling pre-tribulation rapture proofs by virtue of how it is that Paul says, encourage one another with these words about the rapture. What he's saying here is we're not only to be encouraged ourselves because of this, but we're to encourage others as well what are we encouraging them with? Oh, these words. In other words, be encouraged because you're going to escape the coming wrath of God during the seven-year tribulation. Well, that really encourages me. Well, this brings me full circle to the matter at hand, which is that of being awake so the rapture isn't as a thief in the night. If you'll kindly allow me to, I'll explain why now, like never before, the day is near, with everything that is happening in the world today. In order to do that, we'll go ahead at this time and end the live stream on YouTube and Facebook. If you were to ask me why I'm so convinced that the hour has come 
that this is the last hour, and it is time to be awake. My answer would be the increased frequency of the prophetic signs. By way of an illustration, the closer you are to your final destination, the more frequent the road signs will appear. I've shared in the past about an experience my wife and I had in 1997 when we're in Egypt. We stayed with my aunt who lives in Giza, that's where the pyramids are, and we decided we wanted to go to Cairo. And so we had booked a train, but missed the train and ended up having to take a cab. Don't ever take a cab from Giza to Cairo, uh, unless you want to see Jesus, of course, because that's probably what will happen. We almost did. Uh, I mean, it was horrifying. It was terrifying. And the driver was speeding, no, no air conditioning. It was 180 degrees Fahrenheit, like it is in some places right now. That's another topic for another time. And I mean, we're just lo looking for, hanging on to any road sign that would tell us how close we were to our final destination. And the closer we got, the more frequent they were. It was like, okay, I can hold on, I can hold on, I can hold on. And right up until we reached our final destination, those road signs would increase in frequency, and we hung on to them for dear life, because we knew what it meant. We're almost there. We're almost there. Would you agree with me <laughs> that the frequency of the prophetic signs of the times are now more frequent than they ever have been before? Well, we have another problem. And the problem is that many today are not interpreting the signs of the times. And I have to confess, and I'm very open and candid and transparent, sometimes maybe too much, and I know people get a little bit uncomfortable, but I have to say that for the life of me, I do not understand how it is possible that people don't see it. I just, I cannot, it, it, it is staggering, for lack of a better word. And if that weren't bad enough, not only are they not interpreting, understanding the signs, they're actually almost going in the other direction and believing the lie. What's the lie? Well, 
COVID. Oh, come on, Pastor. Can't you just go one update without mentioning COVID? No. You want to know why? Because said COVID changed everything. And early on, I, I saw this and I, I thought, no, no way, way, no way. I, and then I started listening to others and I thought to myself, well, maybe it's me. I, maybe I'm losing my mind because nobody else is seeing what I'm seeing, but this particular COVID sign tells me that we're almost at our final destination, because of what it came and is still coming packaged with. Everything that has ensued since the beginning of 2020. Yes, it's actually been, as we've talked about in prior updates, this has been in the works for many, many decades. It could be argued that it's been planned for some 100 years. Yeah, you'll forgive me, but I just have to say this. Uh, when a church will open up its doors and become a vaccination center, because they're woke, or they'll start talking about social justice, or pastors will start supporting Black Lives Matter. And that's just the tip of the proverbial iceberg. And these are the quote-unquote religious leaders of the day. Here are these prophetic signs increasing in frequency as we near our final destination in the rapture of the church prior to the seven-year tribulation, and they don't see it. They're blind to it, dare I say, they're sleeping. That's the only explanation. It explains it, at least in part. It doesn't excuse it. Because again, when you're asleep, you're unaware of what's really going on. They're not awake. You need to wake up. Not to fight. Not to fight. Why would you want to fight for something that's going to be replaced? Let me try that again. <laughs> the new heavens and the new earth. Why do I want to fight to keep this world on life support? The world is passing away. 
This world is not our home. Jesus is coming to take us out of this world. And the signs are all over the place. And it's happening. And this is the end. We're almost there. Just hold on. I truly believe this with all of my heart, that this is the end. Again, would you just kind of think through this with me again? How much longer do you think human beings are going to be able to survive? You're probably not hearing it because it's being censored. Do you know how many people are dying? Do you know how many people are dying that have been injected? You know, life insurance companies, they, they know those numbers because they live and die by those numbers. And it's off the charts. Let me take it a step further, and I, this is truly a, another topic for another time. But how much longer do you think the earth is going to be able to continue? At this rate, I think of what Jesus said, that were those days not shortened, speaking of the seven-year tribulation, for the sake of the elect, speaking of Israel, no flesh, no human being would be able to survive. So let's get back to this issue of how is it, and please know, and I, and the Lord knows my heart when I say this, I'm on the receiving end of many emails, comments that come in from people that are saying, well, so-and-so says this, but you're saying this. What do you say about that? So I just delete the email. <laughs> no. <laughs> what can I say? What can I say? Um, Pastor, you're, you're kind of uh, out there. <laughs> and, and here's these, these ministries, these, these leaders, these even pastors, well-known mega ministries, mega churches. And they're not interpreting the signs as you're interpreting the signs. And these are well-known people. Well, they're going to have to answer to God for that. That's not on me. And they will.
Can I just, uh, I'm going to try to bring it in for a landing. I want to draw your attention to Luke's Gospel, chapter 12. This, I think this says it all, it sums it up. He, speaking of Jesus, said to the crowd, when you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say, it's going to rain, and it does. And when the south wind blows, you say, it's going to be hot. And it is. Hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky. How is it that you don't know how to interpret this present time? Do you know who he said that to? The religious leaders. You, how is it that you don't see it? How is it that you're not saying anything about it? This needs to be screamed from the rooftops, like I am right now, <laughs> screaming. <laughs> there should not be one church, one pastor, that is not talking about this. Again, I, I, I'm sorry if I'm yelling, but There are times where I'm just like, Lord, hypocrites. Some of your translations render it fools. By the way, I just let me add and then we'll, we'll uh, move on here. The only thing I can come up with, and as I've inquired of the Lord concerning this, the only thing I can come up with is that they are seeking to please man, and they have their roots down too deep in the temporal soil of this fallen world, and they have too much to lose. That's the only thing I can come up with as to why it is that they're not talking about this. If the Apostle Paul would teach Bible prophecy and the pre-tribulation rapture to new believers in Thessalonica within just the first, whatever it was, three months that he was there, how is it that pastors today are not talking about or teaching Bible prophecy and the pre-tribulation rapture? with all the signs that are all around us, increasing in frequency as we near our final destination. As for me and my church, that I'm so privileged to pastor, <laughs> I 
Well, you already know I'm preaching to the choir. With my dying breath, as long as the Lord gives me breath, I don't have permission not to. And I don't want your blood on my hands. I know that's very selfish, but <laughs> as Ezekiel would say, as a watchman, if you don't warn the people, then their blood's on your hands. But if you warn the people, and they don't take heed, your hands are clean. I like how the Apostle Paul said it. It's recorded in Acts, I have the blood of no one on my hands, because I did not cease from teaching the whole counsel of God. What, what does that mean, the whole counsel of God? Oh, the, the whole Word of God. The, how, do, how do you teach the Bible and not teach Bible prophecy when well nigh one-third of the Bible is prophecy? Man, I, it's very sobering. Well, those who interpret the signs of the end will already be ready. Right? We're awake. We're ready. Because we see the signs. You know how it is? Can I, can I use an airplane illustration? <laughs> you know I am about airplanes. So, you know, on a long flight, you're sleeping, right? And then as you get close to landing at your final destination, they come on the loudspeaker, which is very loud, the loudspeaker, which is probably why they call it a loudspeaker. And they say, hey, put your seats up and your, you know, <laughs> in the upright position, we're going to be uh, landing. And, and, uh, and, you, and you wake up, because you can't sleep anymore, because you're, you've arrived at your destination. So you get ready. You put all your stuff away, and you put, don't leave that tray down, whatever you do. Yeah. Put it in the upright position. That's how I see what's happening in the world today. Yeah, maybe it's been a long flight, but <laughs> we're getting ready to land. Actually, we're actually getting ready to depart. <laughs> However, there are those who are not. And I say this as lovingly and as humbly as I possibly can. You need to wake up. Now's the time to wake from your slumber. Wake up and get ready. Because if you don't know the Lord, you'll not be ready for the Lord. You have to get right with the Lord in order to be ready for the Lord. And He is coming. And I pray and I hope it's not for you as a thief in the night catching you off guard. This is why we do these updates. This is why we end with the gospel. This is why we do the ABCs of salvation, which is just a simple childlike explanation of salvation. Again, the gospel is very simple. 
is childlike simple. Jesus said, unless you become like this little child, you're not going to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'm so glad that the gospel is simple. It's not complicated. It's very simple. The gospel, the good news is that Jesus came to die for you, to pay for you, to purchase you, pay in full for all of your sins, and purchase on that cross a gift. What's the gift? Eternal life. That's the good news. What are the ABCs? Very simply, the A is for admit or acknowledge that you've sinned, that you need a Savior. <laughs> you need the Savior. Romans 3.10 says, there is no one righteous, not even one. You might think that you're a good person, but you'll never be good enough. And Romans 3.23 tells us why. It's because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've missed the mark. God's perfect standard of righteousness is actually an archery term, bullseye. If you miss the bullseye, you sin. You, you fell short. You missed the mark. We've all missed the mark and fall short. Now Romans 6.23 is really the good news packaged with first the bad news. Because see, our sin and all have sinned means that there's a penalty. And it's the death penalty. And that's the bad news for missing the mark. The wages of sin is death. That's why Jesus came to die in our place. So He goes to our death for our sin instead of us and for us. And in so doing, it costs Him everything to purchase that pearl of great price. We're the pearl. And He offers us this gift that He paid for, the gift of God, which is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's a gift a gift to be received. That's the A. Here's the B, and the B is so central. It's actually even simpler than ABC. It's as simple as B. Believe. Believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in Him, would not perish, but have everlasting life. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. And the C lastly is for call upon the name of the Lord, or as Romans 10, 9 and 10 also says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will, will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. That's the expression, once you put your trust in and believe in Jesus, you call upon Him, Romans 10, 13, all 
who call upon the name of the Lord will, will, will be saved. The jury is no longer out. The verdict is in. You plead guilty, guilty as charged. Now the sentencing, death, the death sentence. And then just as they're getting ready to carry you out and carry out the sentence of death, into that courtroom of the universe walks a man, no ordinary man, a God-man, Jesus the Christ. And He says to the judge of eternity, hold everything. I'll go to their death in their place. I'll, I'll die for them. I'll, I'll pay with my life their death penalty. You sentence them to death, I'll go to the and satisfy the penalty with my own death in their stead. And the judge <laughs> looks at you and says to you, because he's a local judge, oh, <laughs> good news. You're free to go. And whom the Son sets free is free indeed. That's the good news, the Gospel. Well, today's But God testimony comes from Pamela Peterson, who writes, Our But God testimony. Dear Pastor J.D., back in January I emailed you asking for prayer for our son Tor. He was put on indefinite unpaid leave from his workplace due to his refusal to get the so-called COVID vaccination. Being a scientist involved in research at the Synchrotron in Saskatoon, Canada, he knew the dangers inherent in the vaccine and, quote unquote, and warned many, both at his workplace as well as family members, all of whom <laughs> refused to listen. Tor was off work for four months, but he and his wife never lost faith in our wonderful God and Savior to sustain and provide for them and their daughter. He applied for other jobs, but there's not much available for someone so highly trained as a physicist even though at one point he was prepared to take a job installing home internet services, after an unbelievably lengthy application marathon, he was told he was unsuitable for the position. Tor was recently invited back to his old workplace, starting in a new department under a much better boss and co-workers at the same pay. As well, he was instructed to enter three hours overtime for every call out, even if only as short as 15 minutes. This is something his former boss had never informed him he was eligible for. He also will rarely be required to work weekends, in contrast to his former position. Oh, God is so good and delights in doing even more than we can even think to ask for. Thank you and your church for praying for our son and his precious family. My husband and I 
often pray for you and your people there. And we never miss an update. God sees your faithfulness, as do we and so many others around the world, Pamela and Jens Peterson. Praise the Lord. Why don't you go ahead and stand. Japan, come on up. You know, I every week share these testimonies that come in. I mean, the, the, they're so voluminous. And I try to pick one after praying that I, I think represents the many that we receive. Oh, how many stories like this, where God just as only He can, and is always so faithful to. He's going to provide in ways that you would have never imagined, exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond anything you could have ever thought of. I can't wait for our prayer meeting on Tuesday night. And I know second service in James, we're not there yet, but Lord willing, next Sunday, a favorite verse for many, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Oh, the power of prayer. You might be here today or watching online and you're really struggling and your story perhaps is similar. Never, never, never give up. You trust the Lord and you keep praying. You keep petitioning the throne. I promise you on the authority of God's Word and God's goodness, He's going to blow your mind. He's going to blow your mind. And stop trying to figure out how He's going to work it out. Oh, <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking about. And also, don't try to help them out. I know I say, <laughs> I say that every week. And you know who you are. It's the way you're wired. Now, His ways are not our ways. And He's got something planned that is just going to be so amazing. And He's going to do it in such a way so that only He receives all the glory. So even if you wanted to or tried to, you would never be able to take credit for it. <laughs> I know you, you don't do that. I'll speak for myself. I try it sometimes, and, and it's laughable. It's kind of like, you think you did that? <laughs> you didn't do that. God did that. He gets all the glory. You be encouraged. You be encouraged. Those signs, whew, whew, whew. You like the effects? <laughs> I mean, they're just, because we're so close to our final destination. Father in heaven, thank you so much. Lord, <laughs> ah. thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh Lord, there are so many people that are just hurting and struggling barely hanging on. And Lord, You know, You see everything. And You're already at work. Lord, thank You that until that trumpet sounds, You'll see us through. You'll get us through. And Lord, thank You that we can be encouraged and encourage one another with the truth of the gospel and your soon return 
in the rapture of the church. Lord, lastly, for anyone who has never called upon you, believing in their heart, putting their trust in you, I pray that today, today would be the day of their salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. And if he carried the weight of the world upon his shoulders, I know my brother that he will carry you. And if he carried the